Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And on this week's show, we are talking about the suddenly revived New York Rangers season as the Blue Shirts have won four games in a row. Most recently, a come-from-behind victory at Madison Square Garden over their rival, New Jersey Devils. Um, and it's, it's really great to be back talking about this team uh, being on the upswing and doing it with both Dave and Becky. It occurs to me now, guys, that it, it's been probably three or four weeks since we've done this show all together. A couple of weeks ago, we had Rob Luker on. Becky and I obviously had a little bit of a, of a laryngitis situation last week due to a, a toddler-born cold that we both picked up. Uh, but really nice to be back with both of you. Dave, Becky, how you doing? Doing well, but I am going to apologize in advance because I am still coughing and uh, my throat's just getting a little shot at the end of the day. But all's well. Um, can't wait to talk about that that Devils game. Yeah, it was a really good one. Yeah, that, that was a great game. That was a good way for me to finally get past all of the cocksacky bullshit that I had to deal with two weeks ago. And I'm finally clear of most of my COVID congestion. I had both at the same time, which was awesome. But I'm good. That devil, that win against the Devils four in a row, um, it's not the best style of hockey, but who gives a shit they're winning? Sometimes you just need wins. I'll take it, and I'm doing great so far. Yeah, and let's start there. It's been a really interesting four-game stretch, which which started uh, over a week ago with, with a win over the Blues in a game that, that I don't think the Rangers played particularly well in at all. Then they went on the road for two tough games in Vegas and in Colorado. I thought played really well in Vegas, deserved to win that game, won at 5-1. to one. Did not play well against an undermanned Avalanche team, but won the game 2-1 to one in a shootout. And then they get, you know, the game we were talking about most recently, the, the 4-3 OT win, Philip Heedle getting, uh, getting the game-winning goal in overtime over the Devils after trailing 3-1 to one and, and not looking particularly good doing it. So what's been interesting, and I think we're all on the same page here, is is – We've seen a little bit of a flash flashback, excuse me, <clears throat> to last season where the 60-minute five-on-five on-ice process maybe has not been the best, but the results are there due to goaltending, due to some timely and opportunistic scoring, uh, due to decent defense as well. The Rangers are not, you know, exactly getting uh, shelled or giving up tons and tons of chances. Uh, they're doing enough defensively. Um, but Dave, you alluded to the style of hockey they've been playing, which. I would categorize it at times as boring. Um, would you agree with that? And, and what are you seeing from this team lately that has enabled them to get into some close games and win some close games? You know, it's interesting that you said boring because the third period against the Devils was boring. Um, and the first period was utter crap and the second period was great. So I'm not sure if it's a stylistic difference as much as it is teams adjusting to the Rangers and throughout into the third period and kind of the Rangers forgetting they have a hockey game to play in the first period. It's a weird team. And this is something we talked about in our group chat on Twitter where Glenn doesn't really excel in tactics changes. So any adjustments you see are going to be very subtle and he's not going to overhaul the way the team is playing based off of what he's seeing on the ice aside from changing lines and that's good and bad and we've seen the bad but the good part of it is you know the rangers are going to play the same one two two four check zone defense and they're not going to really deviate from it and it's really a matter of the players executing and the coach kind of pushing the right buttons on the lines and on the players. I don't know if it's a boring style of play as much as it is a predictable style of play. Becky, what was your overall takeaway from particularly that the Devils game uh, and, and in the immediate aftermath? You know, we're recording this about 24 hours after that game ended. So I'm like a shit poster in real life. And I just <laughs> I mean, is that not true? Um, it's a thousand percent accurate. <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry about all the coughing. Um, but I think it's a beautiful thing that, like, metrics-wise, it was, like, not that good. And they still won because, like, there's only so long you can play a certain way and be like, oh, shucks, like, we didn't get it, we didn't get it. And I know it wasn't, like, even a terrible game, but... Like, there's only so long that you could just say, like, it wasn't, you know, we're playing really well and, like, dominating and just not getting the points before, like, you start to be fucked and, like, don't make the playoffs. So, I think it's endearing. I think it's funny. I, like, posted at the urge of someone in the group chat a meme that basically, like, they play really well and they have bad vibes and then they play like ass and they have great vibes because like Keandre Miller was everything in that game. He was everything, his reactions and his celebration, like he's everything. So I don't know. <coughs> Sorry. That is really funny though, that they played really good hockey in October and they just couldn't buy a goal. Like yeah, they needed, they really like needed mega millions to buy a goal and they just couldn't score, but it was great hockey. And now all of a sudden we're seeing kind of crap hockey, but the vibes yeah. are amazing because they're winning. Well, because winning makes you feel great. And like, you know, being like, oh, well, we have like really good possession, but we didn't score any goals. Like that doesn't feel good for like a player who's so close as like eight shots on goal and hits the post, you know, three times and <laughs> Like Vincent Trocheck. Yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> by the way, seeing him talk post game after the Devils game, like he's very soft spoken. I'm like, Vince. Yes. For a guy, I, the one thing about Trocheck that I can't understand is he goes by Vince. I hate it. I hate, I hate it. it. I thought he was Vinny even. Yeah, I, I thought he was not, Vinny. Not Vinny, not Vincent. Vince. Hate it. Come on, man. Like, thanks. I yeah. hate it. <clears throat> Oh, um, Ovechkin number seven ninety eight and seven ninety nine. By the wow. way, while we do this, both yeah, goals. By, wow! By the time this drops, he could be at eight hundred. But that's incredible. I'll um, take that because I got him in DFS today. If you ever need, by the way, where I know we're talking about this, uh, or it's come up quite a bit, uh, you know, on Twitter and and Dave, I don't know if you've written many articles dedicated to it, but you're a pretty serious daily fantasy hockey player, and you're quite good at it. I would like to say I am okay at it. I'm not going to say I'm quite good at it because then I'm going to, you know, the vibes on my picks are going to go down. But since we started, the Buffalo second line got a goal, which helped me out. And now Ovechkin's got two, and I got that entire line. So we'll see uh, if Charlie Lindgren gets a shot out. I got a shot at $20,000. So we'll see how this goes by the end of wow. the night. Wow. And then you're taking us all out to – a steak I, if I win twenty thousand dollars, I'm getting the entire group, uh, the entire you know blog team a box, and we're gone. That would be awesome. So, but uh, no, back to the Rangers and and the, the look. It's it, again, it it's become the theme of this team in, in this era under Gerard Gallant. But you know what? What are the vibes? What, how how is the team? How does the team look uh, from a demeanor perspective? And I think. What was so troubling about the losing streak was that they looked utterly lost. I mean, it was a team that just couldn't get out of its own way. And uh, especially when they got leads, if they and multiple goal leads and we saw it happen, you know, three out of four games or however many games in a row it was. But the, and, and hockey's very unique in this regard. Well, maybe it's not that unique. I, you know, I know fans of all sorts and, all, and across all sports get premonitions about their team that often come true if you watch the team enough. But the sense of dread that fell over the Rangers and the whole fan base, whenever they would give up a goal, you know, say they were up four to two, they give up a goal to, to, to and all of a sudden it's four three. Everybody's like, well, this is a loss. And, you know, they hadn't shown that comeback ability that they were so famous for last year. And now all of a sudden you look up at the last four games and they've got to come from behind win over St. Louis. They've got a really good comprehensive dominant win over the, over the Vegas golden Knights who yes, without Eichel uh, and Petrangelo, but still a good team, you know, Mark stone played and William. You got to beat those teams. March is so played. Yeah. And they're still a good team. You got to beat them. Like when you, they're shorthanded, you got to beat them. It's what the Rangers didn't do in November. They didn't beat the teams that they should have beaten. Right. So, 
you know, they, they've they and now, you know, the most impressively, they've got that that the, this comeback went over the Devils. And I think, you know, Becky alluded to Keandre Miller, who vibes aside, had a phenomenal game. I and mean, I was at the game. And again, I know the metrics and, and all that stuff aren't going to flatter any Ranger uh, from the Devils game. But Miller was extremely involved two assists, played incredible defense. I mean, made several one on one stops and defensive plays against Jack Hughes, against Jesper Bratt against Thomas Tatar. I mean, he was all over the place and not letting anybody buy him. And then he he makes that incredible read on the Kako goal to jump up into the play and 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 make the uh, the 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 pass that 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 uh, results in the goal. So, you know, Keandre Miller coming up, and then another guy that I want to eat some crow on, and Dave, I want to get your thoughts on him is Braden Schneider because I know I said on this podcast not more than four or five weeks ago. I was extremely disappointed in Braden Schneider and he has completely turned it around. He it's funny because he will always be associated with the Nils Lundqvist decision. And I think that's unfair to Schneider. It was less about him and more about just Adam Fox. Honestly, Fox being Fox made Lundqvist expendable. But beyond that, Schneider was not drafted as a guy known for his offensive skills. But he has shown an awareness and a willingness of no fear, jumping into the jumping into the rush, jumping into the play. That goal that he had, oh Christ, where he started the rush up and was the last man in in the goal. Give me a little help. That was, the, that was the the Colorado game. That was the that yes. was the only only goal from uh you know that was their only goal of the game. You know the second goal was a shootout winner. So yeah, that was the from Panarin set him up with the drop pass. Yep, that's the one. So the fact that he's able to jump right in and contribute offensively, even though he wasn't really that kind of a guy, he's. Now, people like to make the comparison that he's a Truba light. He's going to blow past Truba at his prime. And I know Truba's a whipping boy right now, but Truba, when he was with Winnipeg, you know, he put up he put up a 50-point season. He put up, mm-hmm. what was it, 15 goals, 50 points, something like that. If, if Schneider doesn't get power play time, and he's probably going to be up there in terms of even strength points from a defenseman. He's just the total package. And this is reminding me a lot of Keandre Miller when we were getting a little bit concerned about how he was doing on the ice and the metrics weren't matching up. But look at what Miller did last year and look what Schneider's doing this year. The Rangers seem the Rangers to have no problem. Set. Yeah. I was going to say, they seem to have no problem developing and getting the most out of their defensive prospects. But then, you know, you look at conversely with the forwards, you know, look, Capococco, I think, has been much better the last week or so. Alexi Lafreniere's got a couple of goals, but he still looks very inconsistent to me. Philip Heedle has finally found it, I think. Um, Becky, what's your thoughts on just that, you know, the kid line as, as a whole, but also those three forwards? Um, and where they're at in terms of their progression, you know, so far this year. I like big love Filipino. Just love him so much. He's just so endearing. Again, I run basically on fives here, so I might not be the best person to talk to this, but or to speak to this. But um, I mean, look, I like them. I know that there was a lot of talk around like, mm, like, are they really first rounders like Kako and Lafreniere? And it's like, I don't know. Like, I, you can't say that at this point in their careers, but um, I feel like there's value. Like, probably the power rankings, right? I think like Heedle, then Kako, then Lafreniere. But, um, and I know you were talking about defensemen before, but especially with those three, like, I don't know. I think Heedle's just like a darling and he's great. And he, he gave the very like basic, um, I just shoot and I score. Like it's like okay, that's great. Um, do that do was that a great more quote. Often. Do that more. I often. love that quote. I think it reminded me of like twenty. God, if I don't get this right, Jessica's gonna murder me. Um, fourteen playoffs when when Brass scored the only goal. It was like Mother's Day. Was that fourteen or fifteen? Maybe it wasn't Mother's mm. Day. I'm just rambling. 
but he scored like the only goal of a game in playoffs. And he's like, I just closed my eyes and shot. <laughs> like, that's just like, that was the energy I got, which I really loved. Um, I feel like Capo is just, Kako is very, Capo is very, um, like he's just got that like big body and he's understanding how to use it. And it's fun to watch him use it more. This sounds very creepy, but I don't mean it in a creepy way. I mean, like he's like able to be agile, such a big body and like protect the puck. And, you know, it'd be nice if he kind of like finished more often. This is really dirty at this point. Um, But this like, I don't know. I, I like watching them grow up. I don't know that it's fair and I don't know that it's unfair to be talking about kind of expectations at this point because they're so young. Um, but they do have some league experience now, right? But, I, like, I enjoy watching. I don't know. They make me happy. Well, Heedle, it's funny about Heedle definitely, to me, is the most confident of the three consistently. So even, you know, and when his game, I think the problem that I've seen with Lafreniere and Kako, both, is that when their game <clears throat> takes a dip and every player's game, you know, this is the other thing that I think people uh, are very unforgiving of all athletes when it comes to this. Like guys are going to have bad games. Guys are going to have bad months. And what I find very exhausting and particularly like smart Rangers, Twitter, hockey discourse is nobody ever talks about the players needing to do their jobs. It's always about blaming the coaching staff, right? It's always <clears throat> blaming the player development team it's always blaming Chris Drury it's always and like I'm like guys this is like sports like guys just have bad games guys have bad weeks guys have bad months heaven forbid but guys have bad years like these are things that happen totally independently of coaching decisions and player development and all that stuff I've had a bad year at work before (laughs) I don't know about year but I've had about like six months at work before I think that's like pretty normal you forget that these players are people Yes. When it hasn't and, been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. Oh, boy. Don't okay. go there. This is yeah. a Seinfeld podcast, okay? Let's, like, not do that right now. The, uh, But the thing that I've noticed about Heedle is that his dips in confidence are much, much shorter than Lafreniere and Kako's. And Heedle is a little bit older, and he's got much more experience in the league. Uh, you know, comparatively to those guys, he was in the league two years earlier than both of them. You know, again, I know he only played parts of seventh, but this is his seventh season, I think, as a Ranger. So, or sixth, whatever it is. Uh, you know, it is, so he is, you know, he's a true pro now. He's he's not a veteran. I don't think anyone would call him a veteran, but I also find it silly to call him a kid. I mean, any guy who's in his sixth NHL season is not a kid. His... Game. He also knows what type of player he is, and he knows what he needs to do in the NHL to be successful. I look at Kako, and I think he's figuring that out. But Dave, I don't know if you agree with me. Uh, I don't think Lafreniere is anywhere close. I think he's actually regressed a bit, and he's further from knowing what he is as a pro hockey player than he was even at times last year. He has definitely regressed. And I don't know if it's so much taking a step back or just not progressing the way we thought you can't just come into the league at a certain talent level and not grow your game and laugh isn't growing his game he's certainly got the confidence but it's kind of borderline cockiness and you can kind of see it in his body language so he just And we talk about this in the chat a lot. He hasn't improved from what Suit pointed out were some of his holes in his game. And until he improves his weaknesses, teams are going to key on on him. And they're not – and Laugh is just not going to be a first overall pick worthy producing player if he doesn't improve his weaknesses. Look at Crosby. A bad example because it's Crosby versus Laugh. But Crosby was a terrible faceoff guy. He spent three, four years working on faceoffs, and now he's one of the best in the league. You got to work on what you're not good at. Yeah, well, and and you know, listen, I mean, whether that's skating or conditioning or, um, you know, uh, even just I, the other thing that I always come back to is I remember talking to um, 
he was actually a pro soccer, former pro soccer player, but I used to work with him and he was talking about a coach that he had and, and basically said the reason he was such a good coach was he simplified the game for all the players, right? He basically gave, especially the players with limited talent, right? It was like, you have one job. Like when you get the ball on this area of the field, this is what you do with it a hundred times out of a hundred. Don't think about doing anything else. Just do this one thing, you know, within, within the, the, the context of the game and whatever system they were playing. And I feel like that's what like laugh needs a little bit of. He just needs somebody to simplify the game for him and say like, all right, listen, in the offensive zone, do this because, you know, I, Becky, you, you mentioned it with Kako, you know, Kako has learned and he's made it basically the focal point of his game to be a guy that uh, protects the puck who can go into the corners, dig it out and then hold possession along the wall, spin around a couple times and usually, you know, get the puck, you know, to a guy that's ready to shoot, whether it's a guy at the point, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I think maybe his, his playmaking could improve if he's going to have the puck so much, you know, you want to be able to find guys that are more dangerous the way Fox does, right. Who are kind of immediate scoring threats, but even just holding the puck in the offensive zone is valuable. Kako is very good at that. Philip Heedle is a, is just a very good two-way center, uh, loves to carry the puck through the middle of the ice, loves to shoot the puck. He knows what he's good at. I just don't see that with Lafreniere. Uh, and, and, and that's, what's a little bit alarming, frankly, about a guy who went first overall and was consensus number one overall it was not even a question who to take in that draft number one overall. And I just don't see a thing where it's like, oh, he's really good at that. Right. Like Jack Hughes, incredible skater. He was the best skater in the, in the, in that game on Tuesday night by a mile, the best skater on the ice, like not even close. He is two strides and gone. He's up the ice. He's faster than everybody. Um, you know, certain guys have elite shots. Certain guys are just positionally and tactically elite. I, I don't think Lafreniere is any of that. And if you don't have that one standout skill, like you said, Dave, you've got to kind of chip away and improve on everything you do. And I I just don't have not seen that improvement. And look, I mean, we can talk about the coaching and the lineup decisions and all that stuff, but that's on the individual ultimately. I mean, you've got to you've got to do it. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to get better. And I think, you know, um, you know, Becky, one of your, one of your favorites, uh, personalities in, 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 in all of Ranger land, Steve Valaquette. I mean, he was really, really hard on Alexi Lafreniere for the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know, you know, your thoughts on that or, or, or if you would agree with that, but, you know, Valaquette was, was very public in saying, I mean, he basically said he would have benched Lafreniere after I, I forget what game that was, but, um, the Chicago game, I think. Yeah, I don't um, disagree. Like, yeah. and I think it's ballsy and I like that they have the freedom to say that, like for what it's worth, I like, right. I'm a Met fan, not a surprise to anyone. And the SNY booth kind of like calls out when the Mets are playing like ass, which like over the last 20 years has been frequent. Um, and I, but I feel like I didn't, you don't hear that like from Sam and Joe often, although Joe like is slowly devolving into like, I think hating the Rangers, but whatever, not the point. Um, yeah. Agreed though. But, but it's like, it's refreshing and actually even like Hank after, during the devil's game. Um, so Valakat was, I think he was sick. I hope he's feeling better. Yeah. yeah well, um, yeah. Um, but he, you know, Hank even was like, they need to, fucking pull it together you know obviously not in that tone because he's an angel but um it's refreshing to hear that from Valquet, and it's also like his to me when I look at the stats and I look at the scoring chances and everything like I don't know how like the reason for this and like how actually really reliable it is I'm sure it's very reliable but like his word is kind of gospel to me right I'm like okay I look at natural stat chart during the game but then I'll look at like what he says about scoring chances. And I just really like how he breaks it down. So I appreciate that he brings accountability to the table on a broadcast where it might not always have been like that. Um, and he uses an analytical eye, but like also talks like speaks like a coach in ways. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's he just, does. it was very refreshing to hear, but it's also not surprising. Cause I feel like at this point, like he's just so good that it's like, you kind of expect it and to bring like, you know, it's kind of like listening to Gary Cohn call a game like it's you just kind of like and like actually more similarly, like Ron Darling to me is like similar because he'll call out when it's just like this pitcher doesn't have their shit. And like, you know, like it's 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 endearing to me. I'll say that. 
Yeah, and well, and I want to also come back to this. You agree with him that you that Lafreniere probably should have been benched at some point a couple of oh, weeks. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. Absolutely. Also, he's like young. Yeah. So why not? That yeah. promotion he got to the top line was a prime example of Gallant using the wrong formula but getting the right answer. Yeah. Blaff did not deserve that promotion. There was nothing in his game that said, oh, I deserve this. And, yeah, I know a lot of the prospect people will kind of get on us for something like that. But you got to actually perform when you're given the line mates. He was good. It's not like he was sitting there playing with Dryden Hunt and Ryan Carpenter. He was playing with bona fide scorers, and he was kind of shit in the bed. He didn't deserve the promotion. It worked, and I'm happy it worked. But he's got to get his fucking act together. I couldn't agree more. And and look, he he he. It worked in the sense that it provided short term results, right? But already that line's been broken up. And I think this is where we can transition a little bit into talking about the line combinations. Now, look, we are recording on Tuesday night. Podcast comes out Thursday. There will be a practice before we've uh, and 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 the start of a game. Uh, you know, uh, well, I guess whatever. The podcast will come out Thursday. There will be a game that night. We'll we'll know what the lines are going to be. Um, during the devil game, they went back to the kid line. I didn't love it, even though it kind of worked. I mean, they, you know, they didn't exactly have extended shifts of dominating play. They scored a goal off a faceoff, you know, they, which was great. I was an awesomely, perfectly executed play um, where they all read off each other beautifully. But it's not like they, you know, uh, it's not like they spent half the game in the devil's end either. They, they were pretty pedestrian other than that goal. Um the other thing that 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 happened was uh, Gallant decided to put Artemi Panarin with Mika Zibanejad. Great, except that the right wing was Barkley Goodrow. So here we are in year two with Barkley Goodrow, a player that I think all three of us really, really like. And all three of us have actually at one time or another, uh, if not defended, at least tried to talk people off the ledge about the contract. But the problem is... If Barkley Goodrow continues to play in the top six uh, and, and is seen by this coaching staff as a, a medium slash long term answer in the top six, I think the Rangers are going to have problems. Um, yes. So, yes. yeah, Dave, I'm sure you want to I know you want to go in on this. So go. Oh, ahead. God. <clears throat> so. Contract aside and we're focusing contract aside, Barkley Goodrow is the kind of guy you need on a team. He is a shutdown bottom six guy. He is in on the four check. He doesn't take shifts off. Yeah, he's not going to be your stat darling, and I get it. And you're not going to be able to produce a team that has, you know, what, 20, 20 skaters of amazing metrics. It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. It's not. You no. you can't win, you can't win with a team of 20 Wayne Gret. Well, actually, you can. But you know no, what the I'm other getting. thing. Let me jump in here, though, Dave. Goodrow does score goals. Like he's not like a two yeah. goal a year, but the guy scores 10 to 15 goals a year. So it's not like he's totally empty calories or, you know, or, or empty uh, on the stat sheet. Like he, he pops up and I tweeted this a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, I forget after what game it was, the Rangers won the game, but he, he scored a huge goal to kind of bring them back into a game that they eventually won. You know, he scored in the Ottawa game where they desperately needed a win on a deflect. The guy scores goals in big spots. And I, I don't think that can go, um, underappreciated. So sorry, I just wanted to add that in yeah. as well. He's not a total black hole when it comes to goal scoring. He's not anymore. It's interesting you say that because the last, so 2021, the 2021 season with Tampa, he put up six goals in 55 games. The 19, um, the 1920 season, 70 games between San Jose and Tampa, eight goals. Rangers, last year, 13 goals in 79 games. He almost doubled his career high. This year, he's got six goals in 30 games. Like He's not sitting there doing nothing. And a lot of that is a product of playing on the top six, which if he moves to where he should be, he's not going to put up those kinds of goals. But that's perfectly fine. He shouldn't be in the top six. Every single – Luker put this out on Twitter. Every single scoring line he plays on, he drags them down. And it's not a slight against him. That's a slight against Gallant and his stupid lines. And he's got this top 10 overall pick 
with offensive ceiling who has shown in limited samples that he can play and play in the top six and he refuses to fucking play him. Get Vitaly Kravtsov on the ice. Enough with this Sammy Blade bullshit. Put Goodrow on the fourth line. You got Goodrow, Brodzinski, and um, oh, Gautier as your uber four-checking fourth line. You got Kravtsov somewhere in the top nine. I don't give a fuck where, as long as it's Goodrow's not there. And hey, most of your offensive issues, sustained offensive issues, will go away. Confidence is here with them winning four in a row. Get the right fucking lines. Galank, get your head out of your ass. Even the most stubborn of the eye test only people who refuse to say, oh, you can't you look at what this guy has done. Even they know Goodrow doesn't belong in the top six. It's only Gallant that can't see this. And I'm not sure if he's trying to send a message to Drury to get Patrick Kane, which is the wrong fucking choice. But this is dumb. You have Vitaly Kravtsov. Play him. This is fucking stupid. Uh, o- open carrot slash rent close carrot. <laughs> Becky, what are where are you on Goodrow? Yeah, I got nothing to say. I'm here for the questions. <laughs> <laughs> they may get to the heart of this matter as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, just to, to close the book on that and the line combinations in general, there's plenty of evidence that what they were doing early in the year was working. And again, we talked about it, you know, right? Good process, lots of shots, lots of chances, no wins, no vibes. Uh, less consistent process, but they're winning and they've got some vibes. I think what you hope for now is the perfect Nirvana combination of the two. Um, you have a confident team, especially some young players, Heedle and Kako in particular, we, Lafreniere we already discussed, who should get more ice time and who should be relied upon. I think if you put Kapo Kako back with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad now, get where his game is at, where his confidence is at with a couple of goals in his last four games, I think he could actually start scoring in bunches. I think he's right there. I think... You know, to your point, Becky, about the celebration with Keandre Miller in, during the double game, that was a kid that looked like he was enjoying hockey again. You know, Kako has a little bit of that sad puppy dog, Pavel Buchnevich thing when he's not scoring and everybody like has to go over and like, you know, give him a shoulder to cry on after every you know chance that doesn't go in. And, 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 it, and it seeps into his game, right? It affects his confidence. He celebrated that goal like he was a kid, you know, playing in Finland again on Tuesday night. So to me, he's ready. Put him back in the top six. Confidence is there. The game is there. Fine. Heedle should remain as the second line center with Panarin. Whoever you put opposite them, I almost don't care as long as it's not Goodrow. And then you have Trocek and and probably, uh, you know, uh, Lafreniere and Kravtsov maybe as your third line. And all of a sudden, you know, it's pretty good. Or or Vizi there and you put Kravtsov on the second line. And we can go through all the permutations, um, you know, another time. But um, I do agree, you know, in general that. You know, the the lack of offense will be an issue um, and, and, and the way to sustain offense is to, you know, not give, uh, you know, is to not give Barkley Goodrow 15 minutes of even strength ice with either Artemi Panarin or Mika Zibanejad. So. Um, so dumb. I don't. And, and it's this isn't just a Rangers problem or a Gallant problem. So many coaches do this and it's they're falling back on what they think works and it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I like Goodrow. I really do. And it, uh, we keep going back to this, you know, last year's playoffs when Gallant hood that hid that uh, Goodrow was going to play, and obviously they got a boost, and they wound up riding that boost to the Eastern Conference Final. All that he means a lot to this team. You, you, he's an offensive suck. And yeah. they, this is a team that needs sustained pressure. That was what killed them in the playoffs against Tampa. They couldn't sustain pressure. They were a one-trick pony. They're falling back into that this year again. And uh, it just the right lineup decision, you got to give Kravtsov more than five fucking games. Just make the right decision. It's not that hard. And for the love of God, so I'm going to hire somebody to take out Sam Blaze's knees again. Okay, let's relax. Nah. Be yeah, nice. Let's walk that one back. Christ not not about Blay. I like Blay, and I think if he were fully healthy, he would be a great Ranger with the 
way he forechecks and the way he plays, he's just not what the team he's not producing. He's not he doing a goal yet. He, he doesn't have a goal. And yeah, he's playing on the fourth line, but Julian Gauthier has got what, four or five goals four. already? Yeah, he's got four goals. Um, Johnny Barzinski looks good. Sammy Blay is the black hole on that line. Yeah. He's I not, don't see it's not what there's he, no reason it's not what they thought. There's also no reason he needs to play every game, especially coming off an injury. He's a guy you could scratch here and there, um, especially to give Kravtsov some extended looks. Okay, uh, let's get to the questions. I know, Becky, you're, you're itching, and there are some good ones here. So let's get into those. Um, let me pull them up. <coughs> All right. Rob, can you, like, edit out this coughing or? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I- Damn it. Um, okay. Let me just make sure no one responded directly to anyone. Okay, someone just had thoughts and prayers. Okay. So we have a lot of questions, which is really oh, exciting. Hold on. Somebody had thoughts and prayers? No, I just, that's what I say. Oh. Someone, like, just shares their thoughts. I'm like, T's and P's, thoughts and prayers. Like, anyway. I, I, was, I was like, thoughts and prayers for a podcast? Damn. We're no, I just have a big, I have a lot of sayings that I sadly pick up from work and anyway okay this is a fun one so this is from lou um you have to buy holiday gifts for three rangers what are you buying and for who oh christ okay so let's do we each want to take one i was just gonna say let's each pick one because i don't want to do nine players i think that'd be really that'd be overkill we'd overlap too yes yeah and someone kind of already answered this one, too. So, anyway. Uh, so, I, I think that was me who kind of answered it. No, it wasn't. No. Oh, it wasn't. Mm-mm. Oh, well, you go first, Dave. Come on. Yeah, because I thought I answered it when I said I would love to get Capocaco just some kind of shooting luck or something where or enough money to start buying goals because he's doing everything. I think only... Trocheck has more posts than him. I just want to buy the poor kid a couple of goals. I think that's a very nice gift, and I think he'd appreciate that very much. Mm-hmm. It is a very nice city. <laughs> um, I would, I would get. Um, no, I, I know what I would do. I, I would get uh, Mika Zabanajad some new uh, DJ equipment. Um, Aww. I'm, a, you know. <laughs> I'm a music guy myself. I'm not on the DJ side, but guitar, you know, I play some guitar. Uh, so I'm aware of the, you know, equipment and kind of the tech side of things. Um, so I think I'd, I'd, you know, I'd do some research and get him some really nice uh, turntables, maybe for a little at-home setup. Are you going to leave a design on the turntable saying work on your Ooh. game, kid? Yeah, <laughs> right. Put the screenshot, the tweet, like. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. A little customization. I like. Thanks, Dave. That's that 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 brings the gift over the top for sure. See, I would have thought that counts. I would have bought him an iPad to make up for the one that Kreider smashed last year. Yes, another good Um, shout. So I will say that somebody, uh, Ryan Amandalara, responded and said, "If Lindgren and Band Aids isn't one of the three, then I don't know what to say." Which, (laughs) touche, Ryan. Touche. Yeah, that yeah, that's a yeah. Maybe more um, than band-aids for ice packs too. Yeah. Cyborg <laughs> parts. Just like give him half ownership in Girardi's store or something like that. I mean, that could work. What was uh, your I know, this is tough. I have to think. Thinking is hard. I would I buy definitely Jacob Truba. I would buy Jacob Truba a membership for anger management classes. <laughs> he needs to calm the fuck down. Like a spa, like a spa day for Jacob Truba. How about that? Yeah, or maybe an yeah. IR trip. Let's go with that. A spa day for Jacob a Truba. Spa day. Okay. Great That's question. a fun one, Thanks though. I actually really want to hear other people's responses to that. We are also going to do some, I don't know if we're going to talk about it on this show, but uh, revive some of the partnership we had with NYR Shot Club to give away or, you know, get some of that merch in some people's hands. Yes, that was really fun. That was fun. We did it throughout the playoffs. It's expensive, so we've got to kind of pull that together. But, yeah. Um, Okay, next. 
<coughs> I'm so sorry. Built to spill. Do you do you think the team feels it needs to abandon the style they had adopted at the start of the season, which was overwhelming opponents, but unfortunately didn't get results because bad luck in favor of grinding it out like they did last season. So again, do you think the team feels it needs to not, do you think the team needs to? That's a great question. And also That's I just want to comment. Question. It's mm-hmm. a rare straight question from, uh, from bill to spill, which is, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost a curveball because it's not a curveball. Um, I don't think they feel that way. I think they would rather play the way they were playing early in the year and dominate, dominate long stretches of the game, get 35, 40, 45 shots. Again. I mean, you know, again, I, I keep saying this when, you know, whenever, whenever I get the chance, whenever it makes sense, we're not that far removed from a long stretch of play that was very sustainable where, where, Put again, put all the fancy stats to the side. You just look at the shots on goal totals the Rangers were posting earlier in the year. It was like every night, it was like 38, 42, 44, 36. I mean, it was, yeah, that obviously accounts for some power play, but that was also a lot of even strength. They were putting a lot of uh, rubber at the opposing goaltender. There was a lot of quality in there, too. I know folks were kind of speculating, well, it's a lot from the perimeter, but know that, you know, I think Josh Calfin did a, did a piece about this. You know, they, they are getting just as much quality in terms of a share of their, their their shot totals as they were last year. So, you know, to me, I think they know they can do it. I think they just got so mentally fucked by that bad stretch where they gave up all those leads that they had to basically go back to square one. And I, and I think, you know, look, I'm not fully off the Gerard Glant train. I was close a couple of times. Um, I also don't think he's the best coach for a team that totally loses its confidence like that. I think when things are rolling, you know, and, and he just has to do some minor motivational stuff and keep the guys loose and, and happy and fresh. He's good at that. Um, he's a player's coach. When you need to like rebuild your game from, from the ground up mid season, you really need a, you know, an elite, you know, top coach to kind of get you back there quickly. Uh, I think the players can do it themselves. I think we've seen some signs of that. Um, but I also would not be shocked if, you know, we look up in February or March and the Rangers are kind of playing similar to the, the way they were earlier in the season. They certainly have the talent. It, that was well said. Yeah, that was well said. The only thing that worries me, and I don't know if this is a team feeling they need to abandon the style or more kind of us noticing it. And it's something that we cover a lot. It's the speed of the team. Mm -hmm. And speed isn't just a physical thing, by the way. Yeah, speed is, we think speed, we think the way players move on the ice. But speed is also mental. Speed is the ability to read and react. And that's what hockey is. And I think, Rob, you were the one that said that in the chat. It was, they're not reading, they weren't reading and reacting during that losing streak. They were overthinking and they were a little bit too methodical. So the style they were playing at the beginning of the year, they were just kind of going with it. And I think they need to get back to that. But that's less of a systems play and more of a confidence play. Mm -hmm. Glenn isn't like... He, Glant isn't running anything crazy with his systems. He's like every other, not every, he's every other coach who isn't named Bednar or Cooper. He runs the same two or three four checking and defensive zone systems that every coach in the NHL runs. It's a one, two, two, four check. Every now and then he'll go to a two, one, two, depending on the puck position and the play. It's a zone defense. It's nothing crazy. It's not a system issue. It is an overthinking issue that we have seen with the Rangers if they get back to the way they were playing with less overthinking and more just letting the game come to them we'll see speed and we'll see them kind of going back to the way they were at the beginning of the season in October and hopefully with a little bit better shooting percentage and a little bit better goaltending if this team didn't, if if this team shot eight nine percent at even strength in October, 
we wouldn't be talking like this. Right. And it's possible that they wouldn't have any of these confidence issues at all. None. I'm willing to put money on that. I think you guys did a good job of wrapping that up. So I am going to just concur with you and move to the next question. Um, Jess asks, who's your least favorite hockey team and has that changed over time? Devils and no. Fuck the Devils. <laughs> wow. That was good. Fuck them. Hard. In the ear. Uh, sounds painful. It <laughs> has a family changed. guy quote that I can't oh, I say know, on this I podcast. Know. <laughs> I know. It has changed for me, I think, over the years. Um, quite a bit. Least favorite is is interesting. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins for me. And it has been for, for most of the last, you know, 15 years. Since Crosby's been there and since they've become the whiniest, most privileged, most annoying organization in the NHL. And, and I think that other fans also feel this way about them. Um, that's kind of what puts it over the top for me. I think other teams have more annoying players. Uh, I will always have a burning hatred for the LA Kings. And when even now, years and years later, but losing to a team in the finals really sticks with you, especially the way that series unfolded. Uh, just the, the, the burning rage that, that, that hits me every time I think of how that series <laughs> transpired and the photographic memories I have of some of the bad moments from that series. Uh, anytime the Rangers beat the Kings for the rest of my life, I will feel extra satisfaction. But the team I hate the most is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and that, while that has changed over the years, because I would agree with you, Dave, when I was younger, it was the Devils. But now I'd say it's the Penguins. And that probably will change again. But uh, until further notice, for me, it's the Penguins. I hate Jackie. many teams. You do. You do. I do. <laughs> um, I just hate many teams. It changes over time, though. Um, like, I'm starting to hate the Devils more now that they're a little bit more relevant. But, like, over the years that I've watched, I've hated the Canadians, the Hurricanes, who I still hate. I fucking hate yeah, the Hurricanes, too. The Hur God almighty. Ugh. They went from um, bunch of jerks to actual bunch of jerks. Yeah, I know. It was like, anyway, I couldn't go on and on about them. Uh, I hate the Penguins, too, because they fucking complain all the time. And it's like, stop complaining all the time. Um... I kind of hate the Blackhawks on principle. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I guess kind of also the Bruins for the same reason, but not really. I, I don't really care about them. I guess I hate the Kings. I feel like a shorter list is the teams that you like. Yeah, I like <laughs> the Rangers. Big fan of the Rangers. Obviously hate the Islanders. But, like, again, so I just kind of have, like, teams that I have a distaste for. Like, I don't care about Montreal right now. I kind of hate the Maple Leafs, too. I just, yeah. Like, Do you hate the Leafs or do you hate <laughs> the fans? I think the fans are... I don't hate the fans. I think the fans are, like, sad. Like, I feel bad for the fans. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I feel really bad for the fans. Like, it is expensive to go to games only to see your team choke. Like, I think I hate Austin Matthews and his face. For sure. I actually don't really hate the Capitals, which is weird. I'm kind of uh, rooting for Ovechkin. I mean, I'm not because I don't think he's a good person, but like, I think he's also, that doesn't mean he's not one of the prolific, most prolific hockey players I'll ever see. Yeah, He's a shitty person, but he's yeah. just fun. And I am making a rare stance of he's fun. And I'm honestly, the he's not going to have any impact in my life. So I'm just going to enjoy it. It's no, also it's macro level. It's good for the league. I think it's really good. Also, just for, like, the state of the sport that, like, that Gretzky record can be broken. Because... Yeah, it should be of, at this point. It should be. And a lot of the fears about hockey, uh, when Ovechkin started playing, by the way, back in the mid-2000s, was that there wasn't enough scoring. And that, you know, there just weren't enough goals. <coughs> and, and the small audience for the sport would just get smaller. If, you know, the less and less scoring there there was. Goals are way up. The skill is at an all-time high, and Ovechkin is is kind of like the guy who led us from that era, the dead puck era, into this new era of prolific scoring. And it's not because of bad goaltending. The goaltenders are all amazing athletes, but the the shooters and the the, the skill guys are just even that much better now. So um, I, I just think it's good for the state of hockey, and I, I'm going to enjoy watching him chase that record. Um, 
you know, because why he's got 864. Is that the number or is it 892? I, I, I don't know what else. I like head, actually disagree. 892. I like, so it's funny because I agree on most levels, but I hate Gary Batman and all that news that came out today about like how the cap's really not going to be raised or whatever. He's a fucking shitty commissioner. He's a shitty person. And like, it bothers me for the, the leagues to get more successful and just look better under him when like he's hurting. He looks like league. a limp penis. Yeah. Well, that's capitalism baby too. You know, well, that's really what that is. I know, but it's again, right? I'm a Met fan and I'm watching my billionaire owner literally fucking spend $400 million. And I'm like, good. Enjoy yeah. it. I enjoy that. But yeah, anyway, and the, and yeah, yeah, not never the mind. point. So the question was about that. All of my, my least favorite teams have changed over the years, but it's safe to say that I dislike more teams than I like or am ambivalent toward. Is there um, a team that you specifically like that isn't the Rangers? You like the Blues for a while. I like the Blues, but like I hate Bennington. Yeah, Bennington sucks. He's he's like unsupportable. He's yeah, really exactly. So like I do, I did like them, but like now I'm like I just like I can't root for Bennington. You know what? I'm gonna take a stance. I like Seattle. Is that based I think on anything or vibes? I happen. Uh, so Allison Lucan is. I, I remember just chatting with her. This is like 2011, 2012, back in the early days of Twitter. She's awesome. She's absolutely amazing. Um, John Forsland is also with her in the broadcast booth. He's just a great, great voice in the broadcast booth. The team is fun to watch. They're not going to be good. They're not going to keep being good. They're fun to watch. They score. They can't defend to save their lives. They have no goaltending. But I like them. I don't know. Okay. I like Seattle. And also, I feel like I want to go to Seattle. I, I I feel like it's a fun town to go to. It's a really great city. Ooh, I, I also don't like the ago. Sharks. <laughs> well, that's because David Quinn's there. No, it's not why, although true. I just don't like them. I don't like Logan Couture. And I really it's, don't like well, the Avalanche. Yeah. Blew that 3-0 lead to the Kings, too, which inevitably leads to the Rangers losing to the Kings. Yeah, there's so many Fucking teams I just like. Sharks. This is amazing. Dallas is another team that I like. Why do you like They're Dallas? Fun. They're fun to watch. Right, and Joe Pavelski good. is awesome. I love Joe Pavelski. I really liked last year's Calgary Flames, but I don't like the yeah. current Calgary Flames. I love Boba Kibro and yep. yeah, no, I really like last year's Flames. That it's amazing how that trade was terrible for both teams. It really was. Mm-hmm. It's just such a nonsensical, terrible trade in, in hindsight. Yeah. Okay, next question. Our very own Rob Luker asks, which Rangers of those who celebrate are white lights or multicolored lights, guys, on the Christmas tree? Literally, no one is a multicolored light guy. So let's just. No, I disagree. Children. Okay. Children are multicolored. I'm not talking about children right now. I'm talking about adults. Yeah, but there are literal children on the Rangers. Remember that. And of course, the multicolored light shows a little bit of personality. You know, you got the white Christmas lights. I have multicolored lights in front of my house right now. What I kind of that personality w- does that show other than you're a juvenile? It shows that you enjoy the little things and you can have a little bit of fun in your life. And you know what? That's Philip- I have a lot of fun. I enjoy that- the little things all the time. Those are called ornaments. Yeah, you know, Filipino loves the colored lights because he enjoys the little things. He enjoys a little bit of change out there. He loves being separate from everybody else. He Filipino is a colored light kind of a guy. You know who's a white light guy? Alexi Lafreniere. You know no who, personality. You, you know who I he think has personality. Person. He might have too much personality, actually. You know who's definitely a colored light guy is, is Braden Schneider. He is definitely just t- total goofball, total weirdo. Did you see him like dancing on the bench a couple of games ago? It was like very bizarre. Cameras caught him in a, at a very awkward moment right before the, I think one of the periods was right before period started. Um, Braden Schneider is a colored lights guy. Vince, Tro- sorry, like, Vince. I think Tro- he may still believe too. in Santa Claus. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and just say you're both wrong, and this just shows that men have no fucking taste. And we're gonna move on. Excuse to the next me. Who are the white light guys then? 
Yeah, Becky. Chica, Kreider, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The veterans. Oh, yeah, no personality. Yeah, no personality. You think Mika and Kreider have no personality? Did you not watch their bromance video from like three days ago? Yeah, I understand that they got a great bromance and that's good for them. But you know what? When it comes to everything else, you're telling me that they have the personality. Being immature is not a personality trait, okay? Oh, that's it's all I'm going to say. Oh, it's a thousand percent part of their personality. And that's why the kids. Specifically, Heedle. You know who else is a colored like kind of a guy? Igor Shesterkin. All he does is make fun of everybody. Every other goalie in Tony D'Angelo has come through the Rangers. He makes fun of Georgiev. He makes fun of D'Angelo. It's great. He's a colored light kind of a guy. I can't believe I'm on a call right now with two people who believe in colored lights. It's not a call. It's a podcast. I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe. It in feels like lights. a fucking call at ten this, o'clock at night. This question deserves an answer. Why are why you're like you're you're disagreeing with the premise of the question. You're doing you're doing like White House press secretary stuff right now. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Anyway, I can't believe that Becky, you think nobody has nobody has colored lights on the Rangers. Rob, we're never having colored lights on any Christmas tree in our lifetime. I hope you know that. Let's I'm telling you if Emily wants if Emily wants one. Then she could put a tree in her room and put them up. But there is no way. Wow. A separate tree. Yeah. For your child. We're going to do many separate. See a little bit of color in her life. I the only reason she doesn't have a separate tree now is because I dropped the ball and didn't get her one for her room yet. There's still time. Terrible Jew, Becky. It's 12 days from Christmas. Um, There's always time. I am a I'm a very bad Jew because I celebrate Christmas. Um, You know, you know, who's a white light kind (laughs) of a guy? Sammy Blay. Why are you so mean to Sammy Blay? Didn't he hit on his sister? Isn't that like the most white lights are fine? White thing you could do. (laughs) White. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Did you not just add you? You brought it up. White lights are are good too. This is like a uh, just because you're a white light guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. I don't know. It, it I feel like it's 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 positives of both. I don't know. My I'm I, no no. White lights are your well done steak with ketchup. No, that's no. no. Get the fuck out oh, of no. here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ugh. I'm moving on I to said the last what question. I said. I'm moving on to the last question so that I can exit this pod call. <laughs> Spazo 211, crazy theory. Panarin is the one pushing for Goodrow to be on his line. He did the same thing with Faust and Blackwell. Yes, I'm half serious. I think if you're talking about any comparators to Faust, it would be our very own James Vesey. So I don't yes. know that I agree with this. James? Jimbo? Jimbo I, I believe they do call him Jimbo. Um, Excuse me, his name is Paul Rudd. Uh, he, yeah, that's true. Hate to Neither agree with you. Age. Yeah. Um, it, well, all right. So, but to, good question, by the way, uh, or good sort of theory. Um, I think that to Dave's point earlier, coaches are infatuated with this whole balancing out the finesse winger with a grinder thing because, like, it, it was done that way in the past, and you know. Uh, it worked for the Rangers with Jesper Foss way back when. But to the extent that I don't think Panarin really cares, I think he just wants guys who like read the game well and process the game somewhat at the same speed as him. Um, I agree with you, though, Dave, and, and I don't know why they haven't tried it yet. If the idea is to have somebody who's quote unquote defensively responsible playing the opposite wing, why not try Vizi? He at least has some clue in terms of offensive, you know, offensive play and, and shot generation. You know, he, he has good shot generation numbers. So, you know, whereas, again, Goodrow, we already talked about, is a black hole. And, you know, I would love to see Kravtsov get, get some more run there, but I don't think it's going to happen. So um, why not? And he doesn't seem to like playing with Kako. I don't know if that's, again, substantiated or not, but that certainly was the rumor. Vizi would be the next most logical choice to me. I think you're right on there, Becky. Thank you. Dave, do you think Artemi Panarin's lobbying for Barkley oh. Goodrow to play right wing on his line? I was hoping you guys were going to forget that. I didn't say anything on that. <laughs> I too uh, hope I forget these things. You can recuse yourself. 
I am not going to recuse myself, but I am going to open up a can of worms. And I don't know if I want to do this, considering it's almost 1030 and I want to go to bed. I wonder if Panarin is lobbying for this and it feeds the rumblings that the Rangers are going to move on from him in the next two years. Maybe. Move on from? Panarin. Wow. Trade him. I am of belief they will trade him before that contract finishes up. I'm not saying it is the right move. I'm not saying it is the wrong move. I am of the belief they will. That's it. I am reading some of what Drury has done, some of what I've heard, which I'm not going to put out publicly. I think they move on from Panarin at some point. And the ideal time for the, not the ideal time, the real time for the Rangers to do that is July 1st, 2025. After they pay the $9 million signing bonus, they can move them. I don't think it's the right thing right now. I think they do look to do it at some point, though. That's also a long time from now. I mean. It's only two seasons from now. Yeah, no, I know. But the, but the, uh, it's weird because. Why would he want or, or you're saying that he he is too vocal about his line mates and that's going to rub management the wrong way. And they're going to be like, we want to get him out of here because he's not easy to coach or he's not really like, you know, he should just shut yes. up and play, basically. Right. He back checked. OK, he back. He did back. He has been back checking. And to be honest, yeah. I wish he'd score a little bit more often because he literally has one goal in 20 games, which is nuts for a guy of his talent. But he's been better lately. A lot of the team has been better, and it's the reason they're winning games again. But um, he is more engaged on both sides of the puck. I'll give him that. But, God, I, I mean, I wish the guy would score a few more goddamn goals. He I, needs to shoot to take the pressure off Panarin. Oh, uh, to take the pressure off um, Zibanejad. You know. Yeah, but even – forget the power play. Even just five on – like, come on, man. You're like – he's an elite player. He is a top ten player in the game. Like, they need more goals from that guy. Again, you know, everybody wants to complain about Gerard Gallant and the Lions and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, how about Artemi Panarin just score some more goals? I'm sorry if that's too much of a hot take, but, like, score some more goals, dude. Like, that's what you get paid for. You get paid $11 million a year. I know he has 80 assists a year. That is awesome. I love it. But if he only has eight goals, okay, you're an 88-point player. I love it. You could be a 100-point player if you had 20 goals. So, you know, it's uh, and that's what he should be. That's kind of my point is that all the other guys in the league at that level are 100 point. They're 30 goal, 70 assist type guys. That's what Panarin should be. And, you know, I'm I don't know if it's a line made issue. I don't know if it's a motivational issue. I, I, who knows? But um, I do think they need a little bit more production, goal scoring production out of him long term. So um, we'll see if that that comes to fruition. Man, that question opened up that and the Christmas like question opened up cans of worms. You know, yes. I like honestly might quit the podcast after that Christmas light question. Not today. That might be it for me. I it's might, not my I, fault you don't enjoy any color in your life. I, you are. You are just the worst person I've ever talked to in my life. Um, okay, you well, voluntarily we're keep talking to me for I, the last, I, I don't, don't know, know how I many don't, years. I, I couldn't tell you why. Um, <laughs> we're done with questions. So that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for submitting questions. Um, I love that part. I, I love the questions. I really do. Yeah, I know. Listen, it, it, they definitely they keep the show going. They make it interesting. They make it fun. We do appreciate it. We appreciate everybody listening. Um, Rangers have another big week ahead. We're definitely going to do one more show before Christmas, TBD on what happens during Christmas. But we'll let everybody know, know the plan there. Hopefully some Twitter spaces in the future, too. Um, those are always fun. And why our sickos late at night was, was, it was a trip that is a, uh, a live from the blue seats, uh, spinoff show in case you're, you're not aware. Um, I'm only half kidding. Um, but no, Dave, Becky, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Becky, I'm deferring to no. you first. No, I'm <laughs> deferring to Becky. I was keeping quiet cause I want to hear what Becky says. I've already exited this podcast in my mind. <laughs>
All right. You know what? In addition to the colored lights I have, I have two blow-ups. I have the original Coke polar bear, and I have a Mickey Santa. So I'm going to go with – I love Christmas lights and people that decorate their houses. I absolutely love it. We need more of that. I don't care when you want to do it. If you want to keep it up through July, go for it. It makes me happy. You're ser- yeah. Hey, listen. Tis, tis the season. And um, any show of Christmas spirit, I think, is uh, is just fine. And Hanukkah spirit as well, because Hanukkah is starting very soon. So for all of our, our, our Jewish uh, friends and followers out there. but I no, am a terrible said, Jew. I had no idea Hanukkah was starting. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, with, it's, it's within like the next, I think it's a couple days away. So in any event, as I said, uh, it's been fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week.